you were around in the 80s and 90s, you probably remember Satanic Panic. This is when the media latched on to the idea that Satan worship had run rampant in the U.S., especially among young people. Kids who embraced gothic fashion or just wore black a lot, listened to heavy metal music, were definitely Satan worshippers, and their parents better do something about it before they start sacrificing animals or worse. Police departments were not immune to the panic either. They tended to see ties to Satan or witches or witchcraft or vampirism in an astounding number of cases, many of which were not connected to any of those things whatsoever. Hi, Curious Listener. I'm Michelle O'Dell, and this is Corn Fed Killer. The case I have for you today happened in the midst of satanic panic, and police and the media really went ham on this and latched on to the idea that the perpetrators in this case were vampires or at the very least involved in Satanism and the occult. We are headed to Minnesota for this one in the 1980s, particularly springtime in Minnesota, which means it's still pretty cold out. This is March of 1988. 18-year-old Tim Erickson and his brother 19-year-old Mark Erickson shared an apartment in St. Cloud, Minnesota. The brothers often sheltered runaways and homeless teenagers in their apartment, so it was kind of like a hangout where people would crash on and off, and the brothers became friends with a lot of those who, you know, stayed with them and they hung out on and off. and You know, kind of a laissez-faire kind of thing. So, okay... On the night of March 21st, 1988, the brothers and five of the friends, five of their friends decided to go camping in Riverside Park, which was not too far from their home in St. Cloud, Minnesota. 30-year-old Donald Gall, who was one of their older friends, decided to go as well. And reportedly on this night, he arrived at their apartment sloppy-ass drunk. Like, really drunk. Smoked some weed, and then they all decided to hang out shortly after that. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning at this time, and they're just now going to be heading to the campsite. Seems a little odd now that, you know, I'm older. (laughs) But, you know, heading out just to begin a night of fun at 1 o'clock in the morning whether it be camping, clubbing, yeah, that's definitely something I would have done when I was young, or, you know, and have done. <laughs> so, makes sense. Okay, so the friends brought along with them beer, hot dogs, marijuana, and ephedrine, which is some sort of speed, I think. I'm not uh, really knowledgeable as far as dreg, dreg, <laughs> excuse me, as far as drugs go, I that's never been my bag, so... Could possibly be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure ephedrine is some sort of speed. It's not really important to the case, but it is something that they did bring with them. Um, 
they also brought one of the 15 year old kids that was with them brought along Tim's hunting knife. Now Tim's knife was a fixed blade knife. So it wasn't like a, you know, like a, what do you call it? A switch blade or, um, I don't know a lot about knives either, but you know, so it was fixed blade hunting knife. So a pretty big, uh, serrated type knife. Okay. So they just, you know, they're going to go up there and hang around the fire and have some fun. That's the idea. So they get, they arrive to Riverside Park and find a spot to make camp near a fire, near a fire, no, near a frozen river, like on the bank of a frozen river. They build a fire and they just sit around drinking, talking, shooting the shit, you know, having a good time. And Donald Gall, the 30 year old you remember, falls asleep by the fire. And one of the other guys is like, I'm cold, I'm tired, I'm going home. So he left. And four other guys go into the woods. And in the woods, Tim Erickson suggests that they should kill Gall and drink his blood. What? (laughs) So this kind of took a turn here. Um, So Tim's brother, Mark, emphatically refuses to participate in the killing. Tim didn't really give a shit and decided that he was going to go ahead with killing Donald. He told the group that he was going to stab Donald Gall with his hunting knife. The group returned to the campsite and found Gall still sleeping. But when Tim removes the knife from its sheath, Gall wakes up. Thinking quickly, Tim tells Donald that he can go back to sleep that he and the rest of the group will keep the fire going. He's like, dude, don't worry about it. You're tired. Go back to sleep. We'll keep the fire going. Nothing to worry about. So, you know, Donald's like, yeah, okay, cool. And lays back down. He's going to go back to sleep. And they go back into the woods and revise their murder plan. Uh, You know, they go in there under the guise of getting firewood. So they go in there. And Tim's like, okay, let's, we're going to do something different. We're still going to kill him, but we're going to do, a, we're going to do it in a different way. Mark, once again, refuses to participate. So I just want to say something here. It's, you know, it's all well and good that Mark Erickson does not want to participate in the killing with his brother and the other douchebags. <laughs> Uh, that are intent on killing this guy, or at least going along with killing this guy. Um, But, you know, he could have tried to stop it, or he could have left and went and told somebody. I mean, you know, I'm glad he didn't want to participate, but I really don't see how he can, you know, get any kudos. I'm not giving him any props. But anyway, okay, so the group returns to the campsite and find Gall once again sleeping. Tim Erickson clubs Gall with a, you know, like a big heavy stick in the head. The other two kick him repeatedly. Tim continues beating Gall in the head until he loses consciousness. Then he grabs Donald Gall's head, yanks it back, 
and slits his throat with the hunting knife. He then stabs him repeatedly. Gall bleeds to death. Tim Erickson and the other two licked Gall's blood off their hands. Gross. Gross. These douchebag vampire wannabes then went through Gall's pockets, took his wallet, his watch, and his leather jacket. Tim declares that they need to get rid of the body because he's such a, you know, genius. So these idiots drag Gall's body into the frozen river a little ways until they find open water. So if you're trying to picture this, the river's frozen over with ice Mostly, but it is March, so it's probably warming up in some spots or whatever. So they drag it out a little ways until they can get them into the water and they throw them and dump them into that water. They return to camp and hang out around the fire until the sun rises. So these fuckers kill someone, motherfucking kill someone. And then they're just like, eh, let's have a few beers around the fire. Just wait for the sun to come up. And this douchebag Mark Erickson didn't want to participate. And he's just hanging out too. He didn't try to save Donald Gall. He didn't run away screaming. Nothing. So, you know. In the light of the morning, the group cleaned up the campsite. And Tim threw the club in the fire. Next, they drove home, taking care to go a different route than they used to get there, thinking that this would help them to avoid detection. What a bunch of geniuses. (laughs) I mean, really, at this point, who are they trying to avoid detection from? No one knows what they did. No one knows Donald's even dead. At least not yet. (laughs) So... In any event, they're, they, you know, think they're super sleuth, you know, stu- super stealthy and they're going to go a different way. They do stop at a convenience store on the way home. And these fuck faces use Gull's money that they took from his wallet to buy some cigarettes. Because, you know, after a night of drinking and killing, you just want a good smoke. <laughs> So they get back to the Erickson's apartment and there's two girls there that are, that have been staying with the brothers. And when they get there, Tim starts bragging to the girls about how they murder this guy. He told, tells them that he drank Gall's blood and licked blood from his hands. He showed them Gall's blood soaked leather jacket that he took from the scene. This turd, really thought he was hot shit. Remember the friend who decided not to join them on the camping trip? I bet he was glad he backed out. His name was Benedict. Mark Erickson told him about the murder. Having watched the whole thing, you know, Mark knew all about it. Again, dude, why didn't you try to stop it or at the very least go to the police afterwards at the very least anyway the only conclusion that can be drawn about this mark 
and the fact that he did nothing while a man was brutally murdered is that he's a fucking evil douchebag, just like his brother. So, you know. At least one good thing is that he told this friend, Benedict, all about it. And Benedict, he did do something. He went to the police on March 24th, 1988. Just a few days, three days, after the murder, and he tells the story that Mark Erickson told him. He told authorities where the campsite had been and what the group had done with his body. It does not take investigators long to find his body in the river. Tim and his brother and the two friends are quickly arrested. So, douchebag, douchebag vampire, <laughs> vampire wannabe Tim Erickson at first denies everything. He's like, dude... Please say, hey, you know, did you kill this guy? <laughs> and Erickson's like, nah, dude, not me. So then he finds out that his friends sold him out and that the authorities have Donald Gall's blood-soaked jacket that his dumbass kept in his apartment. He starts crying like the pussy-ass coward that he is. And he confesses. He confesses a second time to the police department stenographer. So, as you probably know, the stenographer writes everything down. So, he says his confession out loud, and the stenographer writes it down word for word. Tim Erickson is charged with first-degree murder and goes to trial. Erickson's trial is bifurcated. So... This means that it is split into two phases. This allows the accused to offer more than one defense, and likewise it allows the jury to consider all possibilities and arrive at a final verdict. So it's kind of an odd thing to, you know, and I, there aren't, to my knowledge, it's not really a common thing that happens, but it, it's interesting in any event. So, in the first phase of Tim Erickson's trial, the defense claims that Erickson, pardon me, Erickson's voluntary intoxication, and, and that's just, that makes me crack the fuck up. Voluntary intoxication. So, not involuntary. Nobody opened the hatch and poured beer down this fucker's throat. It was voluntary. He drank it himself. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And the defense claims that this made him incapable of intent or premeditation. They're trying to get the first degree part at least, you know, at least that. If they can't get him off altogether, they want to at least get the first degree off of him. And in order to be convicted of first-degree murder, you have to prove premeditation and intent. Really? <laughs> you know, like I said, it's laughable. Did, did they really think that the jury would go, Oh, yeah, he was drunk, so he can't be blamed for beating a man to death and slitting his throat? Ugh. The jury, of course, isn't buying the ridiculous argument, and they find Tim Erickson guilty of first-degree murder. In the second phase of the trial, Erickson's defense attorney claims that his mental illness 
which he described as his fascination with the occult and delusions about vampires rendered him incapable of knowing what he was doing when he killed Gaul and of knowing that what he was doing was wrong. I mean, what the fuck, right? You know, what the fuck? So, okay, this jury was not a jury of dummies, <laughs> and they reaffirmed the guilty verdict. Tim Erickson was sentenced to life in prison. On Erickson's first appeal, he claimed the same thing, that intoxication and mental illness, his preoccupi preoccupation with vampires and the occult, proved that he was mentally ill. Additionally, he claimed that his confession was coerced. He says, I was only 18, and I was scared into confessing. This prick. Thankfully, his appeal failed, and his conviction was upheld. All of the vampire and the occult talk, fueled by the media, caused the satanic panic to explode, resulting in a kind of social hysteria. Heavy metal music, horror movies were targeted, blamed for causing Satan worship and violence in young people. The media even claimed that Tim Erickson was inspired by the movie The Lost Boys. Now, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you haven't, you should. It's a hell of a movie. It's got the Corys, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, not to mention young Kiefer Sutherland. And I've seen it many times, but I'll tell you what, it didn't make me want to drink anybody's blood or murder someone. So, you know, it's just ridiculous, this whole satanic panic. It's it's ridiculous. And, you know, Tim Erickson, the prick, he goes along with this, says, oh, you know, I watched the movie The Lost Boys, and I just couldn't get it out of my mind. I wanted to drink blood. I wanted to become a vampire. So my friends and I started a vampire cult. This guy's just a douche, you know? He's just a, a guy that you look at and go, what an idiot, you know? So, anyway. In 2007, Tim filed another appeal. And this time, he asserted that he deserved a new trial, claiming that he had an ineffective counsel and that the judge and the prosecutor engaged in misconduct. This appeal was also denied. In 2014, once again, this fuckface enters in an appeal. And it was failed again, and his conviction was affirmed. Tim Erickson continues to rot away behind bars, just like he deserves. So, y'all, this this case, it's it's just ridiculous. And it really speaks to this whole, you know, I keep saying satanic panic. And that's what it was. If you are any interested in this at all, um, you know, you can research it a bit. And we'll probably end up talking about more cases 
that involved uh, some kind of ritualistic killings or the occult in some way, or it appeared, I should say, appeared to have involved those sorts of things. Like I said, the police, the media, they were seeing Satan and the occult around every corner. And it was being used a lot as, you know, to blame people, especially young people, for becoming violent, for killing, for all this kind of shit. And this is really when they started to put those parental advisories on CDs back then, on tapes, cassette tapes. I can remember all that. So, you know, it's it's a crazy thing. And it went on for quite a while. Um, so we may end up talking about that again. Thank you so much for listening. Connect with me on Twitter at CF Killer Podcast or visit us on Instagram at cornfedkillerpodcast. You can send an email to cornfedkillerpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also check me out on TikTok at cornfedkillerpodcast. Until next time, curious listener.